You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. This is Good Morning Liberty. Well, what is up, all of our Liberty-loving friends? This is another fantastic episode of Good Morning Liberty. My name is Nate Thurston. I'm the co-host of the show, and of course, I'm by myself, because that's what makes sense. Well, happy Wednesday, happy White Pill Wednesday. The white pill that we have for you today is that, as of right now, we still live in a democracy. That's what I've found out so far. Although, still teetering on the edge, of course. There was supposed to be a red wave. I don't think it was quite the red wave that everyone expected, but of course we are the day after the most important elections of our lifetime, uh, which, of course, will be trumped by the next most important election of our lifetime that we will have in 2024. I'm sure you could tell just how important it was. A lot of things are just changing around the nation right now. Well, we made it through the night. A lot of races still aren't called because we don't have the technology to count votes. You see, Florida has a monopoly on whatever that technology is, and there's no way that any other states could possibly do that. Uh, so we got Florida, and we got some other states, and we got a bunch that are still like 60 70% of the vote in. Could take a week. Who knows? But what we do know is that it was not this massive route just destroyed in your face democrats that's what you get for all of the terrible things that you've done over the last couple of years it was not that still it does look like the republicans will take the house of representatives i personally think that they will still take the senate 51 to 49 i will talk to you about that as we run through all of these results well, let's get going on the results, I guess. Let me pull that up for everyone. I'll get this whole thing started. All right. Now we got 204 to 176 currently for the House. That's, uh, that's what we got. And we're they're still saying 48-48 for the Senate. Now, it's technically 49-48 in favor of Republicans. For some reason, they still haven't called Alaska. And right now, Alaska's election is between a Republican or another Republican. So it's technically 49-48. That's what we have. But we still got some other states that we just don't know what the results are going to be for a bit. 
So in Georgia, once again, it looks like we'll be going into a runoff. Right now, Warnock is leading Walker by somewhere around 35,000 votes with 98, 99% of the votes in. There was a libertarian in that election. I've already heard some news channels blaming the libertarian for stealing the votes. You all know the thing, but Chase Oliver actually had a great showing. I believe it was 80,000 votes or so at the time, which, you know, if you believe that those would have all gone to the Republican because you know nothing about libertarians, then yeah, sure, Walker could have won. I was talking with people in the private group and here's the deal if you want to get libertarians to vote for you then be more like a libertarian don't be like herschel walker and don't be like Raphael warnock do i want herschel walker to win only because of Raphael warnock i don't see walker as all that great of a candidate or person honestly i don't know much about what his actual political views are uh, but I know about Warnock's political views. I know I don't like those. Uh, that's going to go into a runoff, and there's a chance, I'm just saying there's a chance, that Walker would actually win that. I actually didn't think this would be that close. I think there's a chance he could win it, because by the time they do this runoff, we're going to know that we didn't have the massive red wave, and to Republicans, this specific seat is going to be the most important Senate seat that's ever existed in history. And this is, of course, if Trump doesn't come in and somehow screw it up like he did last time. All right. After that, what about Arizona? Hasn't been called yet on the Senate side of things that Mark Kelly currently leading over Blake Masters. At the time that I looked at this data, they had 66% of the votes in. And there seems to be about a five-point spread between the two of them, about 90,000 votes at the moment. Arizona did have some issues yesterday. I'm sure you saw that circulating online in Maricopa County. They had uh, oh, about 20%, I think, of their polling places had issues. They say that they fixed them. They say that regardless, they kept the votes, and even if they couldn't tabulate them at that time, for sure they will be counted. Do not worry. And at this point, that's all you can really go with. All right. I, I'm not I'm not jumping into any election conspiracy theories right now, but this one is still up for grabs, although it looks like Mark Kelly would probably run away with it having a five point margin right now in Nevada. Adam Laxalt is currently leading the incumbent Catherine Cortez Masto in the Senate. Uh, by what do we got here? About twenty three thousand votes and seventy seven percent of the votes are in right now. So that's one that if it maintains this current trend, uh, then Republicans could end up having Nevada. If they all go with where they're leaning right now, then you got a 50-50 Senate once again. Uh, that's, that's okay. I think that there is a chance that Georgia could push towards Walker uh, because of the importance of the seat. But also, uh, Democrats would feel the, the same way. So they would get out the vote uh, just like Walker would. At the end of the day, does that really matter? Uh, no, not really. What matters is that they can't just ram through anything that they want through the House and the Senate. If the Republicans do hold the House, then we do have some gridlock. And as a libertarian, happen to be a fan of it. Kind of a fan of gridlock. That's okay. Here's one that's concerning. 
although it's it went the way basically everything went the way that the polls looked a couple months ago not how they looked uh, like last week or anything john fetterman won against oz in pennsylvania and listen oz was a terrible candidate dude doesn't even live in pennsylvania i'm not sure he's been there more than five times in his whole life of course i'm exaggerating it's probably 10 something like that but then of course you throw in the other thing which is that fetterman is a stroke victim and now that he has won, uh, we'll be able to actually start making fun of him because my rule is once you have power over people and you are going to initiate force on others, then it becomes fair game. And so now that he has won, once he takes office, we will start making fun of him. And the people that I would really like to make fun of and really give a talking to right now are his family members. This is a nice picture of Fetterman uh, giving his last goodbyes to his family after he surely has uh, another stroke uh, because this is a terrible idea. His family should be ashamed of themselves. Um, Democrats who propped this guy up and kept it going should be ashamed of themselves. This happened before the primary, uh, but they still went with Featherman. And this is, uh, any as any doctor would tell you, if anyone wants to trust the science, um, I don't, I know that you're supposed to avoid stressful activities. I think being a member of the United States Senate could potentially be a stressful activity. I'm not sure, though. I've never done it before. So I, it's it's just a random guess. I just think it might be stressful, but who knows? Okay, so right now, like I said, it's really 49, 48 in favor of Republicans. They haven't called Alaska yet, literally. I think that was a special election. It's the top two right now are uh, Republicans and Republicans. I think Murkowski and another Republican who looks like it's winning. I mean, just just make it red. It's going to be red. It's 49, 48. Can we just call this? Come on. 49, 48 right now. Like I said, I think we'll have, I think we'll have 51, 49. Maybe, but at least 50-50. How about the House? Currently, I think it's 204-176. It might be 206-176. Uh, you need 218 to have control. And right now, the New York Times is saying that, they're, that the Republicans are going to have 224, I believe. So just barely have some control. 224 to 211. I will be honest with you. I didn't go into all of the House races because there's too many of them. And I don't have time to do that. We'll talk a little bit about some of them later. Uh, I did see, it looks like Lauren Boebert lost her election. Is that is that still the case? Uh, Lauren Boebert, when I looked at it, like earlier, she was down by 5,000 votes, So and they weren't all counted. But uh, anyway, we'll talk about some of those things later. Now let's go into the governor races. So the first one in Nevada... Interesting, Democrat incumbent Steve Sisolak uh, losing currently to Joe Lombardo uh, by about five points at the moment with 77% of the votes in. In Oregon, this is one that they were saying could be a toss-up, could swing towards a Republican. Uh, the Republican is losing by a few points right now, but they only have 66% of the votes in. And that one will be interesting to see if a Republican does actually become the governor in Oregon. You know, these races, like talking about the governors right now, these are the ones that in the last couple of years we found out they're very important. 
Now, it's not that all the Republican governors did just such an amazing job during COVID, just bastions of freedom and never did anything to hurt the economy or take away people's jobs or lock them in their houses. But darn it, if they weren't just obviously better than the Democratic governors. And we found how important it is to have people running the states that did not want to lock you in your houses. So, yeah, I do root for states getting Republican governors. Of course, uh, deep down, I root for them having libertarian governors, but let's be real. So that's what we got in Oregon right now. When it comes to Florida, uh, Ron DeSantis just absolutely destroyed Charlie Crist. I mean, 59.4 to 40%. He won his first election by 30,000 votes, and he won this one by 1.5 million. So... I'm sure he's pretty happy right now. That was an overwhelming victory. It wasn't even close. I saw a lot of people crying on the internet last night. That was kind of fun. I think DeSantis has done, as far as a Republican goes, if you judge them based on what Republicans do, I think he has been really good. Hasn't been a libertarian. We know that. As far as a Republican goes, he's been pretty good. I don't don't agree with everything that he has done. What about Georgia? Brian Kemp handily beating Stacey Abrams, beating her so hard uh, that she even conceded in the election. I know. It's weird. I guess they couldn't find enough uh, suppressed votes for her to cry about that. And it seems like maybe they sent out a memo saying, hey, people are paying attention now. You know, this whole saying that the election was stolen thing. Uh, If you lose, we need you to go ahead and say that you lost. So she did go ahead and concede that election oh i doubt it's the last we'll see of her let's see she lost this a couple times now that means it's only time for her to run for president that's i think that will clearly happen or maybe she'll get another spot on star trek or something like that we'll see greg abbott beat beto o'rourke by a pretty good margin about 11 points we saw that Uh, Sadly, Beto O'Rourke is running out of positions to lose. We will try to find some more for him, but he is quickly running out of ways to lose elections. So uh, maybe, yeah, maybe like county commissioner could do that. Maybe a mayoral spot, possibly. Dog catcher, he could do a good job of that if you told him the dog had a gun, possibly. Not sure. So Beto is gone. You know, I'll admit it does feel good to see things like that happen because you get some of these wild leftist candidates like Abrams, like Beto. Do I just love the people that were running against him? No. But for wild leftist candidates, did seem to have some pretty resounding defeats in elections that they were pretending like were actually going to be close. Of course, if you watch their rhetoric, you know, Beto was saying day of, yeah, we're going to win. We're going to take over Texas. We're going to turn Texas. What are the colors? Blue. We're going to turn Texas blue. Same thing from Abrams. Same thing from the guy that was running against uh, Rand Paul, talking about how they were going to end Rand Paul's reign of whatever fascism, I'm sure, something like that. Um, Yeah, not even close, like 20-point victories for these people. It's always fun to watch how, how much candidates just openly why at least libertarians have started saying that it's just important for them to spread the message. Uh, I think that that's good. What about in Arizona? This will be one uh, that's 
going to be interesting, and I'm sure we will talk more about later. Right now, Democrat Katie Hobbs has about a 12,000 vote lead over Carrie Lake. At the time that I looked at this, 66% of the votes being counted, and we know that they had issues in Maricopa County uh, with quite a few of the polling places and 12,000 vote margin. Yeah, definitely too close to call. I don't think Carrie Lake's going to be easy to concede if she does actually lose. And by the way, about two hours ago, she posted and said, wow, we're going to win big. Stay tuned, Arizona. And now at, at this point, everyone's still showing she's down by about 12,000 votes And at the time that she tweeted this. And she says, we're going to win big. Stay tuned. So maybe she knows something that we don't. Probably not. I don't know. This one's concerning. Do I want her to win? Sure. Sure. I, You know, stick it to the libs. Whatever. Kind of. Kind of want her to win. I don't know. Um, but if she loses, I want her to say that she lost. We'll just say that. How about some of the concerning things? I didn't add the Ohio in here. Someone mentioned uh, DeWine in Ohio. I did not pull that one. Uh, but I did go through some other concerning ones. Kathy Hochul keeps her seat as the governor in New York over Lee Zeldin. Probably a lot closer than what people expected. And, what, you know, it's New York. Uh, whoever wins, whoever wins New York City is most likely to win New York. And uh, it, it's always the big metro areas. And you're in a state that's got the biggest metro area. So what are you going to expect? It's, it's going to be the Democrat. But, man, as terrible as things have been with the whole COVID mandates, with gas prices, with crime, with all sorts of stuff going on, and you just still put these people back in office? Like, why? Why? Gavin Newsom, of course, he won 15-point margin in California. What else would you expect? I mean, the dude even had a recall election against him. Wins by a 15-point margin. Karen Whitmer, Karen Gretchen Whitmer, wins uh, by 11 points so far. Yeah, 98% in, in Michigan. I mean, literally one of the worst governors out there during all the COVID mess. And she handily wins this election. Not even really close. Uh, that's frustrating. For sure. Uh, let me see. Did say most of the outstanding votes are in the heavily red district. Is that for Arizona, Tom? Just read that. I did not go into what districts were still remaining in, in some of these. So, yeah, these things can still swing. Yeah, that's for Arizona. So most of the outstanding votes are heavily red district. Uh, she's only down by 12,000 votes, so that could actually happen. And this one, of you know, it's another what else did you expect thing. But as someone who moved here from Illinois, I have to mention J.B. Pritzker just swallowing up most of the votes there in Illinois over Darren Bailey. And we'll get into some of the reasons why these things happen. But, man, it's just like, hey, I know that you've like totally destroyed the state and we're about to go bankrupt and everyone's leaving like just every, every year everyone's leaving, but we really think you deserve one more shot. That's really what it is. 
But in Illinois, that's not really what it is. It's just whoever wins Chicago. That's all it is. You just got to win Chicago. Now, on this map of Illinois, you'll see a bunch of grayed out boxes. Those are all going to go Republican. They're they're 0% reporting. Uh, but I know, I know these counties down here, and they're going to go for the Republican. You're talking Massac County, Alexander, Johnson, Pope, Gallatin, all the... See, I'm, see, I'm from that area. I can just name out all these counties down there. They're all going to go for the Republican. At the end of the day, you're just going to have Chicago that's going to go for J.B. Pritzker, and then... All of them are going to work together to destroy the rest of Illinois. So great job, everyone. There were some things on the ballot that I think brought people out to vote. It is interesting, though, how uh, even in an area where, say, Rand Paul won by 20 points, you had a an abortion issue on the ballot. Well, they're going to say, like, you didn't have a right to an abortion, and they voted no on that. Of course, very weirdly worded ballot initiatives. But in California, constitutional right to reproductive freedom, thats a, that gets a yes. Uh, in Kentucky, it was going to be no right to an abortion, and they got a no on that. Constitutional right to reproductive freedom in Michigan, that gets a yes. Um, I do not know much about the Montana Born Alive Infants Regulation. Did not look into it. That got a no. Vermont, constitutional right to reproductive autonomy. And that got a Yes. So I do think that abortion remained a very big issue on the ballot. I'm going to go through, I think, the three main things that were on the ballot this time around. You did have some, this is White Pill Wednesday, and as a libertarian podcast, uh, we got a few places that legalize marijuana. That doesn't mean that I think people should go around smoking weed. That means that I think that if people want to do something and it doesn't harm other people in the process, that they should be allowed to do it. That shouldn't even have to be said. All right. Stop trying to control what people do. And if you're going to do that, then you might as well get rid of all the Doritos and all of the alcohol and everything else that's out there. Just quit cherry picking one single thing that Big Pharma told you to cherry pick. So in Arkansas, they went legalized cannabis. That was that came out against uh, in Colorado, decriminalize and regulate certain psychedelics that came out. Yes. Maryland legalized cannabis. That was a Yes. Missouri constitutional amendment legalized marijuana that came out. Yes. I'm not saying that I know all the details of all these amendments. I'm just reading through this right now. North Dakota legalized cannabis came out. No South Dakota legalized marijuana came out. No, not surprising there. So let's move on to the, well, before, before I move on to that, what I do want to say is I do think that this can still be a good white pill Wednesday. Now, I was expecting more of a margin of victory here for the Republicans. And even though I didn't think that would be the best thing for the Republicans, I really, really wanted to just feel that negative, insane energy from people on the left today, just for fun. I, I really did. And so that is the only bit of disappointment that I have, is them feeling like they somehow won. But I think that's going to come back to bite them in the future. To me, this is a good thing. Going to have a narrow majority in the House, could still be 50-50 in the Senate. That means that we can have gridlock. That means that we're not going to have uh, massive new spending bills. Oh, wait. Yeah, we might still have massive new spending bills. Um, let's just say that there could be less spending than there would have been and less new taxes than there would have been. I guess that's it. The other thing that I hope we learn 
that we will talk a little bit more about here in a bit is that the GOP, the Republican Party, they need to learn today that they're going to have to do better than this. And that goes to the people in the party and it goes to the people that vote for the party. Put up better candidates. And if you're voting, vote for better candidates. We'll talk about Trump here in a bit. How about this article from Time Magazine? You guys remember us talking about how the Democrat Party was pushing, with money, extreme Republicans in the primaries so they could beat out their less extreme Republican rivals that the Democrats thought that they would be able to win those elections if they put up those extreme Republicans. Well, so far, that bet seems to have paid off because according to Time Magazine a couple hours ago, every single extreme Republican that was boosted by the Democrats in the primaries lost in their midterm races today. So Democrats face, this is from, like I said, Time Magazine, Democrats face criticism this year for investing nearly $19 million in the primary races of far-right Republican candidates. It was actually more than that because the Democratic Governors Association put like $35 million into helping Darren Bailey in Illinois. But their gamble appeared to pay off on election night. Democrats intervened in 13 primary races to support the more extreme right-wing Republican in the hopes that the Republican would be easier to defeat in the general election against the Democratic opponent. Of the, of the six of those Republicans who won the primary, all of them lost their general election races by Wednesday. A Tuesday evening, Republicans Dan Cox and Darren Bailey lost their gubernatorial races for Maryland and Illinois. Both candidates are election deniers who were endorsed by former President Donald Trump but received millions of dollars in boosts from Democrats during their primaries, according to the Post. Now, I have to, I have to once again mention this whole thing with Darren Bailey in Illinois. And maybe I'm biased because I'm, I'm from Illinois. Darren Bailey was running uh, against a guy, I think his name was Richard Irvin. As I said, the person who wins Chicago is the person who wins Illinois. Now, I guess you don't have to win Chicago. You could just win more of Chicago than the rest of the Republicans. Other than the fact that Darren Bailey was apparently an election denier, I haven't seen any of those quotes. What is the other important fact? Uh, Richard Irvin, who was running as a Republican in the primary, is black and is from the outskirts of Chicago and was going to be running, if he won in the primaries, was going to be running against J.B. Prisker in a state where Chicago was the most important thing to win. So that really bothers me when, in a lot of different ways. I hope it does. I hope it bothers you guys too. Now the strategy paid off for them, but in a world where racial justice and diversity and all these things are so important, what was more important was keeping mob boss J.B. Prisker in that office for as long as possible because he hasn't eaten all the hot dogs yet. There's still more out there. And he's got to run through all that Chicago sausage. All right? You got a black guy who's running, and he's from the outskirts of Chicago, could potentially pull more votes in Chicago. I'm not saying that he obviously would have. And he would have been the first black governor of Illinois. And instead, the Democratic Governors Association puts over $30 million into his primary opponent, a guy who they say is an extremist right-wing MAGA opponent. I don't know. Pretty gross. You tell me. Doug Mastriano 
the Republican gubernatorial candidate uh, for Pennsylvania and a loyal Trump supporter who also believes the 2020 election was stolen, received a Trump endorsement just a week before the primary elections and was also boosted by the Democrats with $1.2 million. On Tuesday evening, Mastriano lost the race to Democrat Josh Shapiro. And uh, one other thing here, I believe it was Dan Cox. I took down some of these numbers earlier. Uh, Dan Cox, the amount of money he got from the Democrats was nine times the amount of money that he had for his own campaign without what the Democrats gave him. The Democrats gave him nine times more money than what he was, uh, what he was spending. Okay, what about in uh, New Hampshire, I believe? Yeah, New Hampshire, $3.2 million, according to the Post, uh, to back the Republican candidate for Senate, Don Bolduc, a Trump-endorsed candidate who ultimately lost to incumbent Democrat Senator Maggie Hassan. According to the Associated Press, the Democrats also invested $100,000 in the Republican U.S. House race for New Hampshire's 2nd District, which went to the Democrat as well. One of the closest races was Michigan. Democrats backed election denier John Gibbs, who won a primary race against Representative Peter Meyer, who was one of the few Republicans who voted to impeach Trump after the January 6th riot. Gibbs ended up losing Michigan's third district to the Democratic opponent. And we've already talked a lot about this, but you see what they did here. Not only did they put up people who might have been more likely to lose, but they put up people who they could then use as election talking points so we could ramp up all this fear about losing our democracy if we didn't vote for the Republicans and a lot of the people that were true election deniers. Now, when they say 200 and something election deniers i went through the list i mean freaking Rand paul's on there they narrowed it down to like only 20 who blatantly say for sure stolen election no way biden won and then all the other people are just people who question the elections the integrity of the elections like if you mention uh you know maybe there's something we could do better election denier but yeah they had to have the, all this talk about democracy leading up to the elections uh, for a bunch of people that were likely only in the election, because they paid to put them there. While the gambit paid off, Democrats faced fierce criticism from members of their own party for supporting candidates who believe that the 2020 election was stolen from Trump. They risked elevating election deniers of Congress who could further sow distrust in the American election process. A group of 35 former Democratic elected officials published an open letter over the summer criticizing the party for taking the risk. They said it is risky and unethical to promote any candidate whose campaign is based on eroding trust in our elections. We must stop this practice and stop today. Our democracy is fragile. Therefore, we cannot tolerate political parties attempting to prop up candidates whose message is to erode our dedication to fair elections. And as I've said many times, this was a win-win for Democrats, or the Democratic Party, either way. Um, they could use it as an election piece, something to talk about. Or if these people did end up winning, then they could definitely use that as an election piece next time around. But I do want to be clear. I'm not blaming the Democrats for putting this money into those elections. I guess that's part of the game. I'm sure we'll see more Republicans doing that next time around. It's a pretty good idea. I don't think you can make any rules saying that you can't uh, make these commercials that can go one way or the other. I'm not even blaming Trump, even though a bunch of his endorsements seem to have not worked out. I, we might see a shift after this election. Listen, 
I know that there's a lot of people out there that really, really like Trump. Maybe you're not listening to this podcast anymore because we're not really in that camp. Uh, it's time. It's it's time to drop it. You know, it's time to go. Just tell me. Tell me what Trump gives you that Ron DeSantis doesn't and weigh out the pros and cons, the pluses and the minuses. Really? Tell me. Policies? You like them way more? What's the difference? Seriously. It's just not a good idea anymore. I'm not even blaming Trump for endorsing these people, even though he's taken a little bit of credit for some of the Republicans that lost, and he's now taking aim at Ron DeSantis, which I don't think is going to work out well for him. But man, this email that he sent out today, it does seem like he could be announcing that he's running for president. He's going to announce something huge at Mar-a-Lago, and he wants you to be there. It's going to be on November 15th. This is going to be in Dumbleep on Friday, by the way. This announcement, this announcement will perhaps be the most important speech given in the history of the United States of America. This is an email from Trump or his campaign or whoever. This announcement will perhaps be the most important speech given in the history of the United States of America. Lord, help us all. This guy needs to go away. He really does. And if you are a Trump supporter and you're listening to that and you don't hear the narcissism clearly coming out and the hyperbole that you're upset about Democrats doing all the time. Oh, this is as bad as 9-11. This is as bad as Pearl Harbor. The most important speech given in the history of the United States of America? Really? No. I really am done with this guy. For sure. Could be that he's not running. Maybe. We'll see. Huge, huge announcement. We will see. But I'm not even blaming Trump and I'm not even blaming uh, the Democrats for putting money. This truly goes on the Republican Party for putting up terrible candidates and for the voters for falling for all of the Democratic ads that were trying to push the more extreme Republican candidates instead of some of the normal people that could have been on the ballot. This goes to them. It's not, a, it's not the Libertarian's fault. If you want to win a Libertarian's vote, then you need to be more Libertarian. I prefer that you be a Libertarian so you can win that Libertarian's vote. But you could be more Libertarian, too. If uh, Herschel Walker was more of a uh, Rand Paul guy or even a Ted Cruz or even a Mike Lee or a Thomas Massey or even a Justin Amash, maybe some of those Libertarians vote for him. But you can't expect to win a Libertarian's vote if you're not a Libertarian or at least don't lean that direction. Or Shane Hazel. Yeah, <laughs> that, that too. So yeah, you got Walker in Georgia, Oz in Pennsylvania, really? What are his credentials? He was famous. He's on a TV show. I'll be honest, I watched a couple episodes and I bought a couple products one time. I don't remember what it was called. Um, and it solved everything. And that's why he got my vote. No. Uh, what? I don't even know if the dude knows anything about Pennsylvania. You got to pick someone better than that. You can't complain. Stop whining. This is your fault, Republicans. Pick better people. Don't fall for the Democrats' ads that are meant to have you pick terrible candidates. You don't have to do it. And don't pick someone just because Trump endorsed them. Who gives a shit that Trump endorsed them? Really? Who cares? Trump lost the last election. I want an endorsement from a loser. 
Jeez. Now, what about some of the things that could change for Republicans? And the, listen, we don't normally talk a ton of uh, strategy, Republican, deep down political strategy. It's more big picture ideas. Something else that happened here. Abortion was very important in this election, apparently, from what I can tell. I think that brought a lot of people out. Just never underestimate the left's desire to kill children. That is a new lesson that we cannot forget, to kill or mutilate children. It's the favorite pastime, okay? You cannot, you cannot act like that doesn't exist. But you also don't need to go so far on abortion. And I know there's a moral, philosophical argument for abortion. But Lindsey Graham talking about banning abortion, other Republican candidates talking about banning, talking about doing outright bans after we just talked about how great it was for each state to be able to choose their own laws. And then immediately afterwards, or like a month afterwards, we got uh, major Republicans talking about doing nationwide bans on things uh, before this election. That was not good. That gave people the ability to say, look, if you have Republican control, uh, they're going to ban, even though uh, they're not going to have a Republican president after this midterm election. Uh, but I don't know if people think that far into things. Uh, I think that there needs to be a more even approach on the abortion issue. Like just a, everyone needs a unified message on this as a Republican. Legal until 18 weeks. I don't know, I'm just picking a random number, 18 weeks. And only for the physical health life of the mother afterwards. And no federal funding. Because I can get behind the words no federal funding on pretty much everything. And that's it. They need a unified message. Geez, that puts you in line with like France after that. Just go for that. Get your whole party behind that. I understand that you that a lot of people have a, a great moral, philosophical, ideological thing against it it should be banned all the time and if you are being philosophically consistent logically consistent and you think that it's taking of a life and that it's a murder then you don't want it to happen at all here's the problem most of the country is not there there's something different there is because if you look at a story of a guy who went into a house and kills another guy with a gun everyone can say that that's murder when you talk about abortion, not even all Republicans can say that it's murder. Definitely not Democrats. There's something different. And if you want to win on this eventually, then you got to focus on changing the people first and not top-down rule cramming this idea down everyone's throats. That's not going to work. You work on changing the people first, and then you go there. Drop the stolen election stuff from 2020. Drop it. Was it stolen? No clue. Because I have no idea. And guess what? Neither do you. Drop it. It's over. All right? The Cowboys play the Green Bay Packers this weekend. In 2014, Des Bryant, Des Bryant caught that ball. All right? It was taken away from him. They should have been able to move forward in the playoffs. Am I going to talk about that this weekend? No. It's over. It's gone. It's like going to the next game, talking about this terrible call that the ref made last week. It doesn't matter. Get over it. Now, if you want to have nice, logical, philosophical procedures 
so we can strengthen our election integrity, but not because Donald Trump won the election in 2020. No, because it makes sense. Do it because it makes sense and because it is dangerous to have a country where people don't trust the outcome of the elections. And you don't have to say that Donald Trump won in 2020 to have that opinion. Just because it's important. Look at what the Democrats have been talking about. Democracy. you got to trust in the elections. Yeah, you're right. Let's come up with a way to trust what the elections say. Let's strengthen all those rules, whatever it is, and we'll argue about that. But it doesn't have to be based on the idea that Biden stole the election from Trump. Drop it. It's a poison pill. Get out of there. It doesn't matter. No, they're not going to have a court case and they're going to be like, oh, yeah, Biden, actually, you got to go. Uh, you got to go. Uh, Trump's moving in tomorrow. Sorry. I know this is weird, but we're just going to have Trump move back in. Because it turns out Trump actually won that election. No, it's not going to happen. Get over it. Get away. Stop. The other thing. Well, one more thing. Stone election. Unified message on abortion. I think the other thing that brought people out was the student debt cancellation. And that's not one that anyone on the Republican side needs to get behind. But you are going to have to make some better economic arguments and not just blaming Biden for everything, because also Trump signed the two point two trillion dollar stimulus package called the CARES Act. And you got to take a little bit of responsibility for that. Going to have some fiscal responsibility, some some responsibility for your fiscal irresponsibility. And let's blame inflation on the fact that our government is just way too big. Yes. And of course, we need to open up all of our natural resources and get prices down as low as we can and continue to have uh, an economic environment that fosters innovation. So if there are better options than the natural resources that we use, uh, then we will find those things and that those will be more cost effective and maybe even better for the environment eventually if we push towards that. When it comes to student debt cancellation, let's talk about the actual problem. But I do think that that's something that helped in this election. I think it got a lot of young people out there. And unfortunately, that's probably going to continue because people are not just going to magically start paying their loans in December. It's going to keep running up, and they know that once it runs up enough, they're going to cancel some more of it. Student debt is done unless Republicans win. And that is the, that is the piece. And just like we've been talking about for a couple of years now, student debt is over unless Republicans take control of everything. And you're going to have to find a way to get around that and solve the real problem. Good luck with that. I think those are the main things. Student debt, abortion, and yes, democracy. And there were a few crazy people on the ballot. This is still a good thing because we are going to have gridlock. That means we'll probably have less spending than what we would have had doesn't mean that we're going to have a perfect world. It probably means we'll get a lot more executive orders, more than likely, and we'll have to fight those as they come along. If you enjoyed today's show, of course, we'll keep up with all of the developments in the election. If you enjoyed today's show, tell a friend, tell a family member, tell the children, tell your uncle that they need to subscribe to Good Morning Liberty. Just hit the share thing. Send it over to someone. Say, hey, check out this episode. You got a, uh, a, a Trump cultist in your family no offense to the trump cultists in my family i love every one of you for the most part uh, check out this check out this cool podcast go like and subscribe and all that stuff on youtube if you do all those things we'll be back again tomorrow same liberty time 
which is whatever random time we pick, but the same Liberty podcast feed. That's Good Morning Liberty. Until then, have a good day and a good morning, Liberty.